2: I'm going to start us out today with a, I'm going to call it a high five. And that is, well, I mean, it starts with a very sad, very sad face palm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Emmett, Caitlin's babe, well, her two-year-old. I forget, now you have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <I> should just <laughs> clarify which one he is. They're both babies. But he split his head open, and it was on the back of his head, and so she called me and she had, you know, questions. She had also called the doctor and it was kind of on the fence. It was like on the edge of whether or not he's going to need stitches or not, according to her doctor. So she's like, she sent me a picture and she's like, you know, asking for my, unfortunately I have a lot of experience with head splits and I have been to the doctor so many times for head splits. And so she ended up having me come over and we, we super glued it and like did some stuff with his hair to keep it together. Anyway, so it was very sad. But the reason why I'm calling it a high five is because I am so grateful. This is an example of where past experience, some of hard experiences ended up serving me really well. Because again, I have so many experiences with actual head hits. Like I've been into the hospital now for my kids' head hits. I don't know, three, four (laughs) times for different kids. And then also just the concept of splitting open skin. I once had a, Um, my, my daughter, we were at church actually cleaning the church and she split her foot open really wide and we were about to go to the Instacare to have it sewn back together because it, you know, it needed some help getting back together and this sweet, but oh my God, I can't remember. Oh my goodness. I can't remember if it was like a Saturday or something. It was on those days where we're like, it's going to be so crazy. There was this really nice, oh my goodness. She was so sweet. She was a physician's assistant, so and she worked in urgent care. And she just happened to be walking out of the church at the same time as us. And she was like, you know what? She's like, I have all this stuff. She's like, I can do stitches. I have all these things. I can just come to your house to save you. I mean, we had a newborn baby at the time. So this woman, we didn't even know, came to our house... And showed me pretty much how to do all of this like all the keys to making a successful seam she ended up gluing it she didn't feel like she needed stitches so it was again kind of like Emmett's Mm -hmm. on the fence and so she'd shown me how to do it and at the time I mean I was so grateful anyway just for saving us the trip and it healed beautifully and everything and since then I've had a lot of experience gluing (laughs) gluing (laughs) things together on my children So it served me well, but this was the biggest one we've ever done and that I've ever done. And I worked out really, really well. It did. So the high five to me is I'm grateful for really kind people in the past teaching me just, I mean, it's just simple, like first aid stuff, but I felt confident because of my own experience slash this woman who had walked me through like a tutorial on it. And it's just an example of sometimes our negative experiences can add up in the future, to help somebody while they're having a negative experience and make it positive because that's, and that applies to honestly, I mean, I don't want to get too deep here because this is just a face palm, but, (laughs) (laughs) but isn't that with all the things in our life? Like we can go through our hardest things in the end can serve us when we come across somebody else who's experienced something similar. Right. I mean, that goes all the way from going through some kind of trauma, having a difficult childhood, whatever it is, you can actually have it serve
1: you later when you come across somebody else. So that's yeah. a gift that comes from trial. Yes, absolutely. And can I just add with that, I mean, number one, yes, like I love that idea that all things can work together for our good, especially, well, yeah, the hard things. So I think that's a good, always a good thing to remember. But it was truly, it was so nice because, and can I just add here that I feel like, I'm going to call it sisterhood just because I feel like both of you and, like, friends that are moms, like, I have reached out when I am, like, not sure what to do and when I'm worried about something. And I feel like it's so nice to have other moms who are like, yep, I've been there. Let me help Mm -hmm. you. Like, here's what you can do. And I feel like I have been the beneficiary. Is that the right word? Like, the Mm -hmm. recipient of that help. Mm -hmm. A lot, and it's just so, I don't know, it goes back to the mom tribe thing of, like, being able to call people and be like, okay, this is oh. what happened, I don't really know what to do, and Terilyn like, had a rehearsal that night, she had all this stuff, but she, like, took the time to come over, and it was very pleased to see her, so it was, <laughs> it ended up just being a very positive experience, <laughs> and I was so grateful because it was something that I was really worried about, and I, anyway, it was pretty s- stressful when it all just happened, and it was just so nice to have some
0: support, so that actually is kind of a high five also, <laughs> all of that. Um, Mom tribe. Hyper. I feel like you need to knock on wood. I've never had a split of any kind. What? Yeah. That's How? Awesome. None. No stitch. No glue. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. It's coming. That's I know, amazing. Because after
1: hearing Lynn, I'm like, that actually is pretty crazy. Cause and because my boys, boys are
0: pretty, it's not like they're like reading books, kind of guys. Yeah. So, well. <laughs> congratulations oh no <laughs> yeah no 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 there's no good. such thing as that
2: there's no such <laughs> thing as that you're, you're maybe but they i'll never, call you <laughs> maybe they never will Carolyn's the
0: one who called them have yeah. you never
2: had any broken bones either no we've had broken bones head splits <laughs> concussions <laughs>
0: Not yet, but Wes, she'll bring up the the rear there. (laughs) She might be the one to bring it on. That head, (laughs) head. the head
2: (laughs) proportion ratio (laughs) (laughs) combines with the predisposition to climb tall things. It's not going to be good. so cute. (laughs) Um,
1: Yes. Okay, well, I will go next with my, mine is actually a high five, um... I don't know if we've mentioned it a couple times, I think, maybe just once, but there's something called seven minute workout. Basically, it's a high five for me because with having a newborn, I guess, you know, he's, yeah, he's, I think, still, I don't know, he's a newborn. Um, I still want to do my miracle morning, but something that usually gets cut out for me is my exercise just because Mm -hmm. I feel like. For me, in my goals, I'm like, oh, I want to work out at least three times a week, and I want it to be 30 minutes. And I have this thing in my mind where it's like, if I don't do at least 30 minutes, it doesn't count as exercise. Okay. Like, so, in my well mind, <laughs> that's what I have it. Mm-hmm. And so, I fall into the trap of what James Clear in Atomic Havoc calls. I love this because I totally fall into this trap of the all or nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, well, if I can't do 30 minutes, then I just might as well not even do anything. That's kind of what I think, especially with exercise. I'm like, well, if I can't do it, then whatever. And so, um, but... I realized that in myself and especially with the newborn and I was like you know what I'm like I would still benefit from even if I did seven minutes of something I think that would still be good for my body to just like get moving whatever it is and so I made that goal that I was like okay I'm still gonna do that part of my miracle morning even if it's only like five minutes and so there actually is an app it's called seven minute workout and it is free you can pay for more add-ons but like you can just do that but there's also I mean you can go on YouTube and type in five minute workout or 10 minute of whatever you want Pilates, mm-hmm. anything. And I have done that. And it's been really good because I, I feel like I've been able to do that part of my miracle morning and not fall into the trap of all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's been a big high five for me because I think that has been sometimes an issue and I've been able to do it and I do feel better. Like mm-hmm. it feels good to do that
0: before mm-hmm. my kids get up yeah. and kind of like, I feel like I'm doing something for me. So it's been good. Yeah. And it puts the spot for the habit for when it can be more than that totally like holds the space exactly
2: when we first started this podcast that's the workout i was Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. was i mean i probably if you add it up all the time i've probably spent years of my adult life where seven minute workout has been my only workout Mm -hmm. yeah because that's what worked for me at the time yeah totally it's great
0: yeah all right i have a high five um i think everyone here has read the book untamed by um Glennon Doyle, but there's a part of this book, if you haven't read it, listeners, where she talks about interacting with a group of teenage boys and teenage girls. And she asks them if they're hungry. And the boys answer for themselves whether or not they're hungry. And the girls turn to look to the group to like ask everyone else if they are themselves hungry. Are we hungry? <laughs> yeah. And so last night I was, I went to dinner with some friends. And then after, You know, they're talking about like, do we want dessert? And everyone was debating and everyone decided they didn't. But I was like, I do. (laughs) Myself would like dessert. Mm -hmm. And so we were near an ice cream place. So I just went through, got my own little ice cream. We were driving separately to the other place. And it was like such a glorious moment in my car, eating my ice cream, listening to this really good book. And it reminded me of the book Untamed. But just in that moment, it was like just like all the things I was doing which were just cuz I wanted to mm-hmm. for no other didn't like no other reasons on top of it no convincing and especially no like well I guess nobody's going to get ice cream so even as simple as I don't want to take the time cuz everyone's already leaving and mm-hmm. but it was just like well I want to and I don't know it's just such like, a like a playing like fun joyful moment it was just a nice little it was just a high five. Oh, I like that. It was just mm-hmm. so fun. i <laughs> it.
2: Licking... The, so one of my favorite, like, phrases, that just came to me, if like, a month ago, and I'm using it all the time right now, is the idea of when you have a beautiful moment, it's kind of like we talked about before, where you're, like, you notice, like, this is, like, a moment. Mm-hmm. I have started calling it where you're licking the batter of mm-hmm. the bowl. Like, when you know, when you make mm-hmm. batter, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. y'all take so the spatulas, that's... and you, like, really get the edges. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like those kind of moments are, where you recognize, I am really deriving a lot of enjoyment from this, and... I'm just, I, and just feel like, I feel like you're just licking the batter of life, like mm-hmm. you're like getting the edges of that bowl, mm-hmm. and I love being here for that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So totally. I'm glad you shared that, because you're licking the batter. Licking the batter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And enjoying it. <laughs> okay, well today, we are going to be talking about the subject of desire in a slightly different way than we've talked about it in the past, and it's the concept of facing our own desire slash things that we want. And so this can kind of be material things, like when we're wanting something that's material, how do we face that from a healthy standpoint? Also, when it comes to personal growth, how can we face our own desire for growth from a healthy place? So it's, you know, we've talked about it before in the concept of can we be striving yet satisfied or hungry but full? And we're going to kind of pull it all together on how can we become comfortable with our own desires and also when we see it in other people specifically like our kids like when our kids want something either a big goal that we think is unrealistic or a big expensive item or whatever it is how do we face that and how do we allow it to also help us see ourselves more clearly so one of the reasons why we chose it this time of year when we're recording this right now it's in december so i know that people will hear this all time of year but the time of recording is december and this time of year is a really easy time for us just to get caught up in the whirlwind of, I want that, I want that, I want that, I'm mean, going to click a button and it's going to show up at my doorstep, right? Mm-hmm. Because of Christmas. And so today we're really going to be talking about just aligning, aligning what we want and being able to be okay wanting something without feeling the need to indulge every time. So the idea that desire doesn't mean commitment to it and desire, wanting something also doesn't mean that you have to have it right now. Mm-hmm. But it can, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to. We're going to kind of separate that for you and see what it's like to kind of sit with that and just allow it to kind of percolate inside of us.
1: We're also on the flip. Um, we don't necessarily have to deny it just because. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit yeah. about both. It's more about
2: alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. And
0: we're not diving too much into things and stuff, but I think you can apply the idea of, um, you know, like striving for a goal or desiring certain things to also materialism. I think they, they really go hand in hand with like how we look at it, how we question ourselves. Um, and I heard this, uh, it was actually in a book I was reading and I can't remember the book, but if I do, we will link it for you guys. But in this book, it's actually on you know, consumerism and materialism. They were saying sometimes when you have too much, you lose the ability to see the people around you. Um, And I think that can be things in your house. If it's like cluttered, you're collecting too much stuff or time commitments or even like um, thoughts, like Mm -hmm. your thinking mind is so like consumed that you can't see the people around you. And so I think just noting that this time of year is, relevant because the point mm-hmm. of the season is to be with our people and not like mm-hmm. all this stuff. So, and giving from a space
2: of giving our time or service or any of those things. And if we are just caught up in <laughs> mm-hmm. everything else, we don't have mm-hmm. the bandwidth to give our time to read that Christmas book with our kid mm-hmm. or reach out to our neighbor when we know they're sad or, you know what I mean? Or totally. go feed the homeless. If that's what we feel inspired to do. Mm-hmm. I totally. really like that. When you said that, just so you know, um, I feel a twinge of it's like I, I need to reevaluate because the bandwidth of looking out and as I say looking out though I guess that's also in right. to my yeah. family mm-hmm. but some, there's oftentimes times where you know I see a neighbor and I do I have the thought like you know what I actually well I actually saw this woman the other day I didn't know her but it still bothers me she was crying she was like sobbing leaving the grocery store mm. and I don't know her but I had the the thought come to my mind like you should get out of your car. And I was driving past her, like, you should get out of your car and just go, like, see if she needs a hug, which I know sounds weird to a stranger, but I actually think my, per- like, I do that kind of, like, that would be okay. It would be comfortable <laughs> for me. <laughs> I like, think I could do it. And I didn't because I was feeling like I was in, I was kind of in a hurry and I just wanted to keep going. And I also felt like it might be a little awkward. But it actually, like, haunted me after and it makes me think, how often do I see that? Like I see an and I have the thought like I should go and connect with them, Mm -hmm. but I don't because I'm moving, you know, I'm going to my next thing. Mm -hmm. And so when you said that is, and I can't remember how you said the sentence, but the, the measure of if we are either doing too much or buying too much or having too much, if it's taking up, if we're not able to look outward Mm -hmm. enough, then that's an example we need to reevaluate. And that like kind of just like, it's truth to me, and I and I would like to be more of the kind of person who can take the time to actually look outward and fulfill a need, and not think, well, I gotta get home and get that task done right now. You right. know what I mean? Right. Or I'm behind on this, and I gotta do it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So. The
0: ability to be outward facing and even have the like space to be able to be aware enough to see the need, let alone like respond to it. I think a lot of us don't have, and it's not like a guilt trip because with little kids, like life is busy but it it does make me think like in what ways am um, can i not like be that busy or be managing that many things or whatever so
1: i also just want to say quickly with the little kid thing sometimes i anyway and i know you guys aren't necessarily saying this but sometimes i'm like okay i want to you know like serve and do these things for other people but also like life with little kids like you are Doing that with them. And so you are outwards, but just within your own home. Yeah. So I think sometimes that's a good thing that I have to remind myself of that it's like, because sometimes I'll talk to Cam. Sometimes we'll have this thing at the dinner table where we'll be like, okay, what was something that we did for someone today? Like something good that we did for somebody. And, but a lot of times it's like, well, I guess, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I really did anything. He's like, yes, you did. He's like, (laughs) your whole day. He's like, you cleaned up. Like you did, you know, like you cleaned up after him. You did this with him. You read. So anyway, I think that's also something to keep in mind that, we are giving and yeah. I know that's how yeah. but
2: that was awesome. a good reminder that we are serving within the walls of our home and home and that service counts.
1: is very meaningful.
2: Equally, frankly, if not more, I don't even want to, I'm not trying to hierarchy it, yeah. but service within the walls of our own home for our children is service. It might not be the same as serving your neighbor who
1: lives up the street or somebody in another country. They're all valuable service. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we're going to address um, the concept of contentment. And once we can kind of understand this, we can really address our desires and other people's de- desires from a healthier place. So this, some of these ideas are coming from an article that I read by a man named Daniel Cordaro. And it's amazing. We'll link it in the show notes as well as in the email because it's really, really good. But um, he talks about they were doing a study. They were going to a bunch of different cultures across the globe. And they were basically showing people certain, you know, kind of the typical emotions to see if universally these were recognized. And so, you know, things like sadness, (coughs) happiness, frustration. And most of them were recognized with a really high accuracy no matter where they were in the world. But they were in this uh, remote nomadic village in uh, in the Himalayas, and as the translator was talking, they got to the to the uh, emotion, I guess, of contentment, and they stopped there. and The translator was like, "Oh, this is actually a really a really special word in our culture," and they kind of started talking a little bit more about it. and He's like, "This." We see this as the highest achievement of human well-being, which I just love that when we think about contentment, that that is kind of what we all strive to have is contentment. And they have a word for it there, and it's I might not be saying it right, but it's something like chakshay. And the meaning of it is the knowledge of enough so that right here, right now, everything is perfect. And I love the idea of that the knowledge of enough, Mm -hmm. that it's like, it's not necessarily having enough, but it's like knowing what it is to be enough is contentment. Mm. And I think that's like a really beautiful thing to think about. Um, and he talks about sometimes in the U- the United States, we put so much value on happiness and the pursuit of happiness. But he's like our rates of anxiety and depression and everything else are sky high. Mm. And could it be because we're pursuing this happiness, but should we actually be putting more value on contentment and he kind of goes into it. So the definition of contentment actually comes from the Latin root con- sorry, the Latin root contentus which means held together and before it used to always be used for containers like cups and things like that and then later it evolved into something that could be reflected on a person. So it describes one who feels complete with no desires beyond themselves. So <laughs> Being content, ask the question, How whole do you feel inside? Or how complete are you as a human being? Um, and so, this, I love with this, and Shafali Talsbury, is that how you say it? Sawberry. Sawberry. It's a silent tea. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, so, she she actually she says something that I actually really like this too that it's, we don't, as long as we recognize that our core of ourselves is complete and whole. Then we can just see our desires as these beautiful additions. But until we're able to see ourselves as whole and complete, th- if we're then like if we're not seeing ourselves as that, then our desires are actually coming from kind of a place of lack and we're never actually to like we think just, if we get yeah, this thing. It's kind then of we'll condition. Fill. then we'll feel content. Fill content. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So I love the last <clears throat> thing that he really says that I absolutely loved, um, that Daniel Cordara says is contentment comes from our relationship to what is going on around us rather than our reaction to it. It is a peaceful realization that we are whole and complete just as we are, despite the anger, sadness, joy, frustration, and excitement that may come in and out from time to time. So I love that, that we can feel all of those emotions, and those aren't bad or good things. We can feel all the good and the bad emotions, but we can still
0: have this. We can be in a state of contentment. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I think that raises such an interesting question because... I think it's easy for us to understand, like, um, and maybe not even understand is the right word, but to get to a place where we can say, yeah, I want to be content without being a billionaire, or I want to be content um, even if, like, my body isn't looking like how models do or whatever. But I think there's the next level where he's really saying that contentment is without without like with disregard of anything that's outside of just our existence, which is crazy when you start putting in things like I'm in a healthy relationship or my kids are, you know, healthy and, you know, happy or um, we live at like a baseline, like we can pay our bills. But those all those things sound super like, good and value centered but he's really saying you would be in a place of contentment if you were going through a divorce if you had a kid that was really suffering if like your contentment is regardless of any of those things and i can say i don't know if i if i'm at a place where i could like say that that's true if you question it that way what do you guys think about mm. that it's really interesting
2: well, it reminds me of the scripture in Philippians the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. For me, that's the kind of peace we're talking about is that like deeper level that can surpass even moments of extreme suffering. And I don't know if I have the level of, I've only, I've only felt glimpses of that in moments of difficulty. And it's small, but like in my, some of my hardest times in my life, whether it's grief or you know whatever it is that feeling it's almost like a uh it's like a feeling of coming back and it always comes back to being in my own body the feeling of being alive and connected to god so one example and i think i've shared this before but it was during something really hard and i walked out my front door and i just saw the sky and even though the circumstances around me were really negative i had this moment of contentment is the only word contentment or peace like kind of like overflowing from me that was like regardless of our circumstances there is this like inner peace that can be there all the time that just comes from awareness and coming in and tapping into again for me it's tapping into god but um i think that's what we're talking about right Mm -hmm. and i think there are probably some people who get to the point where they can live in that often like for a lot of their life i don't I I come in and out I vacillate Mm -hmm. but that kind of feeling it actually is not connected to circumstance at all and you can feel it just as strong when things are good and equally as strong when things are really bad but like it it's not even it's not even related to what's happening outside and I I think that's why we personally I think that's why silence is so important because we take time to tap into that and it allows us to pull like actually connect with that in times where we really Mm -hmm. need it. But it doesn't, I mean, even with a daily meditation practice, I feel like I don't, (laughs) I'm not tapping into it every day. (laughs) I'm trying, but I'm not.
0: But is that what we're talking about?
2: Like there's this kind of underlying contentment that really just comes from being. That there is this flow of life that is inside of us all the time. That has nothing to do with things, accomplishments, outward circumstances, even relationships. I mean, it's actually beyond all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, so what you, I feel like what you just said was was being, you were being mindful in that specific example that you were giving. But I think that that is something that at least for me, when I feel those feelings of contentment, it is because I'm, I'm being mindful and it's bringing me back to the present moment. So just being like, this is what I'm experiencing. Like taking a deep breath. What am I seeing? Like being able to see, um, like cultivating and focusing my attention on the present moment without judgment. It like allows me to realize like I am alive. This like, and it, it is like, I feel like that's, so I feel like for me cultivating a, a practice of mindfulness, cause it's one thing to do like meditation in the morning, but I think we don't have to like sit, sit, set aside time to even be mindful. We can be doing mm-hmm. like practicing being mindful when mm-hmm. we're, when our toddler is having a tantrum, we can like mm-hmm. actually sit there and think like, what am I experiencing right now? And I think honestly, in those moments, It does bring us back, and I think it allows. I think it allows some space, and I think as we continue to practice it more throughout our day, it can bring maybe some more of those feelings of contentment. I think it's a prac like it's practicing and bringing that in. What do you guys Mm -hmm. think?
0: Yeah, I just think when I really thought about that, when you were reading from this article where he's like bringing up the examples, I think what (laughs) where I went to was I'm I'm really using in those moments. I'm. I have always been in a state of being in, like, so much privilege that it's really gratitude. Like, I'm more seeing, I'm, like, going to a space of, like, even though these things are hard, I've never really had anything I've never been in a space where everything's, like, so, Mm. like, big and messed up that I don't have Mm. a ton of stuff to be grateful for. Yeah. And it's that gratitude that brings me to contentment. But, like, if all those things were stripped away, Mm. would I be able to get to the same place? Mm. That's, like, the question Mm. I don't know. And I've never really thought about because I've never had to go there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you're saying even in your list of things slash circumstances slash relationships to be grateful for you've always had at least more of the positive things that you can when you really lay them out you can be right. like well there's so much here that I can be grateful for but you're saying but if you truly were I mean like everything in your life is falling apart could you still cultivate that right like if even when you made your list it's like oh my goodness there's, there's like there's nothing zero. yeah <laughs> nothing on the on the good side and it's all bad um, and it is just, I'm alive is like the only positive right, thing you can right. say. Could you still feel that? That's a really, and
0: I don't know. Cause I've never been even close, but well, we know
2: from reading that there are a lot of people who have found that space in concentration camps during the Holocaust mm-hmm. or in the middle of a genocide in Africa, or literally after they've lost their home, their relationships, everything. I mean, we have, we know that it's possible because of other people's experience, I'm kind of grateful that I don't have that experience myself. I'm
0: reading the choice right now. And she's like laying in a pit of bodies where like some are dead, some are dying. And she's like basically dying. And she's like, I can either, she like got to that space because she had the choice of like, the only way to stay alive is basically to like eat the person next to me. (gasps) Or there's like some grass growing and like, I get to choose. That's my, that's like the choice I have. And she like found that space of like, what did she choose? The grass. But it was like that. She's like, I still at least, like, I am alive. I have the this ability. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I have got to read that book.
1: I think something like. The choice. Yeah, it's really good. It, it is quite good. We can link that, too. Um, I think something that I think is, like, a good thing to pay attention to. Because, again, I think there is a difference. Because it's almost hard to believe that you could feel content while while having really strong emotions of sadness or anger but i think the cool thing is is that i really like in this article he kind of separates and i think it's a good distinction to make that our emotions are just I, I love how he words this he says all emotions are here to guide us and provide valuable information about the world around us and it's like they just come and go and if we accept them as that that that's all they are it's not that And I know this is like a concept that we've talked about. They're talked about in books. But it's not that we are those emotions. They are just coming and going. And we can let them. We don't have to cling on to the good ones and try and push away the bad. We can just accept them as coming and going. And I think when we do. So I think that's also a good distinction is that I think we really can be content while feeling maybe rage, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like deep anger. Like we can accept that those emotions are actually really normal and just because we're feeling them doesn't mean that we can't also still at a, be at a place of contentment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I yeah. Mean, I think sometimes we almost separate it. It's like, well, I can't be content if I'm deeply sad. But it's like you actually can. And I think if we <clears throat> if we can recognize that distinction, it can actually help us in being content.
2: For me, just so you know, that sounds like I'm telling myself that. I, I rarely actually feel it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you're saying, I... I agree with the concept of it and I believe that it's possible. And there have been moments that I felt it, but I'm just telling you listeners out there that for me, that usually sounds like me saying this is just a really negative emotion. Yes. And I feel absolutely (laughs) miserable in it and I do, and I can find contentment here, but honestly it feels so terrible. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to get out, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) but that we can accept it, but there isn't a level of acceptance of like, you know what? Yeah, I really mm-hmm. hate feeling this mm-hmm. feeling. It's unpleasant, and it's this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I know with my mind that it's possibly be content in this moment, but all I can achieve right now is acceptance that I'm feeling the emotion. That's mm-hmm. all I can get to, and that's okay. Yeah. acceptance is a fine place to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. But but it's, but the dialogue that you're telling yourself, I think, is really healthy, and it's it really does sound like I'm like just kind of like I'm talking to a toddler, like. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You can. It's okay to feel this you way. You can. You can feel this way. It's all right. Yeah. And it's, anyway. Yeah,
1: and I think it's more because totally, I'm saying these things, but yeah, I'm definitely not there all the time. But I think it's more like a good concept to almost know, because then yeah. when we are having those things, it's like we can tell. And again, I think all of this comes to practicing, because none of us are yeah. great. I think we all, but I think it's a good thing to recognize in ourselves, you know,
2: and it makes us better parents because just like we talk to ourselves is the same way we talk to our children. Mm -hmm. And so telling ourselves in those big emotions, what we're being able to have the wisdom to say those words to ourselves, I think is really healthy and we'll be able to, in those moments, tell them to our children as well. hey everyone this is tara lynn and i would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review they are so kind i seriously get like teared up when i read them one of my most current favorites is from a mom she says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she would listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on and she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that we've had a lot of people say that they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So thank you. If you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts. And then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review. And then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much. And hope you have a beautiful day.
0: I think the identifying of it is a huge key that has helped me. Because living, like Caitlin was saying, we live in a country where the pursuit of things is valued. Um, and I think most of us in like the consumerism material, like be like the very best you can be culture that we live in, we do sometimes get in a trap of unhealthy striving for more. And it's hard for us to even see that. So we have a list of some things that can maybe help you identify if you're caught in that trap. This list comes from Dr. Dana Hill. We'll link a podcast episode that she was on where she talks about this list, but um, as I was listening to her talk, there were a ton of these where I was like having the twinge and what's really cool is if you're feeling these, it's a chance for you to look at the circumstances that. Are creating that feeling and saying maybe I can let some of those go so I can be in a, in more of a state of contentment so the first one is are you reaching goals but then still being dissatisfied and this is tricky because it's like well where's the line because um or like, I will just convince myself, am I striving for excellence? Because I don't want to be complacent. Yeah. (laughs) So, so again, where is that line between embracing yourself, full self-acceptance as you are, and, and not falling into like, well, I just love myself playing video games and eating Cheetos all day. Mm -hmm. I love that about myself. Mm -hmm. I'm fully accepting myself. So I don't know. I think it's a really interesting question and I think I'm conditioned to be like super strivey because I'm American. What do you guys think? Mm. Yeah, well, I think
1: you make a good point because it's like obviously it's good. It's a good thing to have goals and it's a good thing to have desires that are not because re- that's part of life. So I think it's it's good to have those things, but yeah, where is the line of? But now I'm I'm not content cuz I'm just wanting the next thing. I'm wanting the next thing. And even though I've, yeah, I have these goals that I want, but it's like, where's the line of, yeah, I'm, I'm aspiring to these things, but it's taking away from my present Mm. contentment. Mm. I think, again, another thing that I think helps with this is just identifying them, what we're saying, like identifying them in yourself. So like if you're having things, and this is also from that article that I mentioned with Daniel Cordaro, but if I think he, he brings up the point that If you're human, you're going to have, he calls them well-being contingency. So it's basically something that says like, it's an external factor that you believe is required for you to feel complete as a human being. So I think we can like come up with these where it's like, when I have X amount of money in my bank account, then I'll be happy. Or when I can finally stop working, then I'll be happy. Or when I can have a kid or when I can get married or when I can have a connected relationship with my husband or... Like, if we're saying those, like, then I'll be happy. Those are, like, none of those things are necessarily bad things. You know, like, wanting to have a kid, like, that's a nice thing. Or, like, wanting to have a good relationship with your spouse, like, that's a good thing. So I think those in themselves aren't bad goals or desires to have. But I think it's where it comes with the condition of. Like, then I will have arrived. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but again, I don't really know. I think it's more, at least that's a step in identifying them, like, writing them down for yourself. Because we all have those things. Like, right. Because we're human. So, I think almost recognizing what they are in you of, like, I'm saying I'm not going to be happy until this thing. But maybe just recognizing them in yourself is, like, a good, a good starting point, at least, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, it reminds me of in... Gosh, we're just throwing out books, guys. We're going to have the links and all the links. But in a book I recently read called The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr, he talks about... The Universal Christ? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He t- talks about material versus spiritual satisfaction. Hmm. And he says material or ego-based achievement becomes addicted because ev- addictive. Because every time we achieve or... Um, get something we are reminded of how needy empty wanting that we are like once Mm -hmm. we get it it's like instantly but i want more Mm. and he says spiritual satisfaction creates wholeness and in itself is its own reward which like let that sink in yeah it's so good can you say that again yeah so spiritual satisfaction creates wholeness and is in itself its own reward
2: Um, is actually satisfying. Yes. Whereas none of the other stuff is actually satisfying because there's always another. (gasps) Yes.
0: And he said it's tricky because often fulfillment, the fulfillment of things can come in as material. So we have to have this um, ability to be aware of it. And he says ways we can do do this is enjoy, observe, and participate in the outcome without clinging, possessing, or trying to capture it. So it's like just that Mm. grasping that if it were to let go, Mm -hmm. it, we would be, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have fulfillment anymore. Um, and then he says that true desire is aligned with, that is aligned with our soul will be encouraging, alive, supportive of others and have the ability to flow to others, which I think is a really cool thing that takes us being like, we have to have courage and humility to be able to say, if I get this achievement, it's like, um, so say it's like a, a physical goal that you achieve. So, okay. So say it's like, for me, maybe like a type of handstand I really want to do. That's like a desire. If like a a spiritual fulfillment of that would be that if I do um, accomplish that, I could have the ability to um, cheer others on in their accomplishments if it's more than mine. Maybe I would teach others and want them to even surpass my achievements or, you know, I can let that energy of the fulfillment flow to other people, which is kind of hard because sometimes, you know, the material fulfillment would say, if I, if somebody else achieves it, that takes away from my Mm -hmm. achievement. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it's like that underlying intention, I think Mm. is... Oh, but it's tricky because it does come oftentimes our fulfillment. It's not like, you know, the sun outside that fulfills us. It is achieving something. And how can we like determine if, if we are being content in our achievement or if we're like in that, okay, what's the next thing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's tricky. I just
2: finished a kind of a coaching session with Chanel Nelson, who we interviewed, who I interviewed, I don't know, a little bit ago. She's fantastic, but she explained this concept that when we have an ideal, so what you're just talking about when it comes to achievement, the ideal we have a goal, and we have where we start. But we have if we if we have the ideal as a thing that's we can use our ideal as a motivation, like that's okay. But we if we put the ideal as our thing that fulfills us, the thing is, then we never act, when we get that one thing. We get our goal, the ideal just moves. Mm -hmm. The ideal is a moving target. Mm -hmm. So it reminds me of what you're saying because if we do that, if we continually reach goals but continue to be pulled by an ideal, like we put our our satisfaction, our contentment on that ideal, then we literally never, ever reach it. And you you hear people who are multimillionaires or I hear actors say this a lot. Jim Carrey actually, I think, said it in my favorite way. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something like, I wish everyone everyone could become rich and famous and achieve all their goals to realize that it doesn't make like it, that isn't what makes you content. Right, <laughs>
0: something like that. The opposite of more is enough. <laughs> you know? So, but the, our
2: ideal, but 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 you can find it inside of you, wherever you are on mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. So, if we're placing our contentment on that, it, like what you're saying, it's just like this never moving, always moving. Sorry, never ending, always moving target. So there's nothing wrong with using an ideal as our you, we actually have to change it around so that we're using our ideal actually as our starting point planting it as a seed aligning ourselves with that feeling just just for the purpose of motivation
0: mm-hmm.
2: but not for the purpose of satisfaction. So we actually pull the ideal into us feel the feeling of contentment that flows from it and that's the only that's the only thing we use it for. Yeah. We don't actually then hold it out in front of ourselves <laughs> like a carrot. We actually just pull it into us. And use it as a a tool of enjoyment, really, Mm -hmm. to align ourselves with our goals. But not as something that's like, well, until I get this ideal, I'm not going to be content. (laughs) Because then we're just never content. Even if we get the ideal, because it just moves. Once you get that handstand, I know this. Because once you get the first goal of the handstand, then you just want... You know, you get your puppy press, and you want your regular <laughs> press, and then you want to be able to hold it for a minute, and then you know, like it just, and it's great. So, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful if you use it just as this beautiful process contentment. But if you use it as, I'm not going to be happy until I achieve this, mm-hmm. even when
0: you achieve it, the the line just
2: moves. So Yeah, and
0: I think you can, if you can get out of your like striving mind and more into your um, body and how you're. The feeling that is created by what you achieve, um, that can alleviate some of that. And I think oftentimes we get really stuck in our mind, which is a disservice because it's not the actual uh, thing that you bought or the place that you went. It's the feeling inside the moment that mm-hmm. that you're going for. Really, if mm-hmm. you if you think about it.
2: Yeah, our life is just made up of moments. Right. I like what when you ask the question, how do we find ourselves not being too complacent? Like the are you, you know, you, you use examples of just playing games all day and eating Cheetos. Um, how can we balance that? The thing that keeps coming back to me over and over and over with this is that I think if we're using these antidotes, which are so far you know we've named a lot of things, but to just recap, we have mindfulness, gratitude, identifying your well-being contingencies, accepting all of your emotions as they come in. I think if you're doing those things and becoming self-aware being in touch with your own body, like you were saying, I think our bodies can tell us so much. If we're being mindful with that, I don't think that we will have a problem with being complacent Complacent. or overly striving from a place of dissatisfaction. Because for me, if I just sat playing a video game all day and just eating Cheetos, I actually would feel terrible. Right. For me. I'm not saying that doesn't align for everybody. But for me, Mm -hmm, that wouldn't align mm -hmm, with... mm -hmm. I would feel a little bit mentally sluggish and my body would be like, meh. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm being aligned with myself and being mindful, then that becomes easy. Right. Right. And, but I know that when I do other things that does bring me, it's more of like an uncovering of my potent, like my, my true self. It does involve serving others Mm -hmm. and doing things that make my body stronger and my mind sharper and all Mm -hmm. those kinds of things that happens almost i don't want to say effortlessly because of course it takes effort but it unfolds rather than pushing yes i think if we're being mindful so to me that's what it all comes back to is are we being mindful and accessing our tools like gratitude and being in tune with our body as we go forward even in our relationships i feel like it's Mm -hmm. the same way because we all want connection so if we're being aligned
0: with that I think the same thing happens in our relationships. Totally. Yeah. A quick note. Caitlin had to step out. Go feed her little bebe. So if you don't hear her, it's not because Taralyn and I are chatterboxes. <laughs> we are. She's just not here. <laughs> um, okay. So more ways you can identify if you are maybe in that unhealthy striving, if you're feeling burnout, if you're stuck in rigid perfectionism, um, or people-pleasing. So, you know... Um, doing stuff without thinking about it because you're pushing for a goal that, that maybe doesn't matter to you. It only matters to other people. Um, always doing and not just being. So that kind of goes along with what we originally talked about. You're, you're not enjoying, um, a place that you come to because you're moving on to the next thing. This one was like, a twinge for me. Doing more and more, but always feeling behind like the Mm. to-do list keeps Mm -hmm. (laughs) getting added to. Um, Do any adults not feel like that? I know. That's my question. I know it's possible. (laughs) Where are you guys? (laughs) (laughs) Need your help. Um, And using your striving to avoid looking at yourself. I think that's also Mm. fairly common. And when I heard that, I thought... That can be a really interesting way to disguise um, what's the opposite of self-acceptance? Dissatisfaction with yourself as um, as good because like striving insecurity even. yeah, your insecurity, yeah. like covering up, figuring out what's going on with you, and preventing you from being in a place of contentment with what can look like, oh she she gets everything done and she's everything's always perfect and she is like, look, she's so great. It's easy to cover up self-examination mm-hmm. with that striving. Mm-hmm. So if any of those um, are triggering for you or if you're feeling like you're pushing, pushing, um, I I think just... You know, how can we, how can we look inside and say, am I being really inflexible? Am I super self, self-focused and how can I, you know, become more comfortable? And I think that's the key is it's not, I don't want to have wants or desires. It's, am I are my desires aligned with my authentic self, with my integrity? Am I comfortable with them? Or am I just constantly pushing and striving so I'm never coming to that place of even knowing, mm-hmm. even being aware of it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, I feel like when you do that, it's the same concept of when you sit down to eat a bag of chips, but you're not actually knowing what your body's wanting mm-hmm. and you're not paying attention. You Mm -hmm. eat the whole bag of chips and you're like, oh man, I'm not even satisfied and that wasn't what my body was wanting. Where'd it go? I didn't even taste it. If you don't actually take the time to tap into what you're desiring on a whole as a life, I feel like that's what you spend your life doing Mm -hmm. is you're just consuming, trying to fulfill something, but you don't even know what it is you're trying to fulfill. So it just feels like this kind of like never-ending grab, you know? Totally. Maybe this will do it. No, that didn't do it. Maybe this will. What is it I even want? I don't even know. And I'm just dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a... A great place to just briefly mention that our kids are great tools for us in this arena to help us kind of face our own relationship with our wants and desires. Because when our children want something, I mean, just take a kid to the store and see what happens, right? You know, hey, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? I mean, my daughter literally fell in love with an $80 stuffed animal the other day. (laughs) $80. We were at a toy store picking out something they each had to get, like a cousin gift, and she wanted it so bad, and it was $80, and in my mind, I'm like, please, no, we already have so many stuffed animals. I mean, I was just, like, repulsed, but it was great because I could actually say, and it's so sad because I know I need to do this to myself way better, but um, I could say, you know, our rule is you have to, if you're going to buy something random like that, you got to pay for it with your own money, and I do let them choose within reason, what they're going to spend their money on. But she hadn't brought her money. And so I said, you know, with a purchase like that, that's big enough. Let's just, I can see you really want that right now. So can we just, um, if you really want it, like, think about it for a week or so. And if you still really want it, then let's bring your money down and we can buy it. And she's like, you know, of course. No, I, I already know. I've already thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you thought about it for two minutes. But it's great because then we came home. And, of course, after a few days, the desire has Thank Wait. heavens, Wayne. But had it not, like I would have supported her in that, right? It is, she can choose to buy a stuffed animal even if I think it's ridiculous. But but what I'm seeing is in, in Shefalia Sawberry's book, also The Awakened Family, she talks about how when your child wants something, maybe it's to dye their hair pink and you're like, oh no, please no. You can say something like instead of, please no, I don't like pink hair. You can say something like, I can see you really want that. So you're acknowledging, I can see that you want something And because this is a bigger, you know, this is kind of a bigger change. Let's, she calls it hold the desire in your awareness. Let's hold the desire in your awareness for a couple of months. And if you still want it, then let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I want to have this be like an ongoing conversation. So you're not just like denying and you're also not indulging, Mm -hmm. but you're teaching your children that they can hold the desire in their own awareness And to see if it aligns. Because she says, don't mistake desire for commitment. Just because you want something doesn't mean you actually truly, it aligns with you. So allow them to feel the desire, feel what they want, sit with it. And then if it does truly align with what they desire, then move forward in manifesting it, right? Same thing with, you can do that with pets. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. you can do that with Big things they want to save up for. It doesn't mean just because they want it and it aligns with them. It doesn't even mean you have to get it for them. But it means you can help them realize they can get it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think if we apply that... Oftentimes, I think when we see our own with our kids wants and we feel uncomfortable with it, it's because we have something inside of us we're uncomfortable with. Maybe we're overindulgent with ourselves and we're just into instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we're so denying of ourselves all the time that when our kids show desire, it makes us angry because we're like, I'm I'm denying my desires all the time. So how dare you want something else, right? If you feel like you're coming from a space of scarcity. So just notice what comes up in you when you have children who are wanting things because everybody wants stuff. Are you feeling that like fear of overindulgence or are you feeling the fear of scarcity and you're feeling resentful that they even do want stuff and make that an internal thing for yourself and how can you look at in yourself for that and when you want something and I'm talking to myself here <laughs> when I want something can I be better at just holding it in my awareness and seeing if it actually aligns with me instead of just buying something random or whatever it is this applies when it comes to goals I really like the... I'm going to start working towards this and see how it feels inside of me. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't if it doesn't align with me, I'm okay letting it go. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something beautiful about not being afraid of what we want. Saying, recognizing, I want this. I do have a desire for it and I'm going to hold it in my awareness. And if in a year, like she gives the example of her kid wanted to lease a horse and they set aside the time of a year, holding it in their awareness for a year... <laughs> And then deciding if it aligned with what they wanted. And then she was going to help her daughter figure out a way to earn money for it, you know? So, anyway, I think that's a really cool. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the concept of saving money in general. Totally. If you have to save up for something, you have that whole time of thinking, do I really truly want it, right? Yes. If it takes me six months to save for an item that I want, when I actually buy it, I'm going to really want it. And if (laughs) the desire has left, then great. Now I just have this extra money.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, we've... We've talked about a few tools here that can help you get in touch with that. Um, Mindfulness, gratitude, embodiment. Um, One other one that I think can be really helpful is to take the time to define um, success or what you're striving for, your goals or desires in your own words and through your own set point and not um, in comparison to others so just saying what is my set point of enough when it comes to um financials or you know my physical strength and then let go of comparing that to other people because oftentimes we we know we can fill in our integrity our true desires and we let um other people push us out of alignment with ourselves simply through comparison. And I think that will give you the ability to say, you know, I am enough and find that wholeness inside your own achievements um, and be able to find that balance between efforting and striving and surrender. And that's that dance is, I think, the is really tricky. I have a hard time moving into this surrender. And I know there's a lot of people who have a, a hard time pushing themselves mm-hmm. into effort. Mm-hmm. So like, I think just knowing your true desire and, and getting in touch inside your body with what that would feel like can help you, um, really know. Yes, I am in a place of that spiritual satisfaction instead of the material ego comparison driven satisfaction. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, we have loved exploring desire and wants, especially this time of year. It's, um, I think about this often around Christmas and especially what am I modeling to my kids. And then as we move into the new year, all the goals and the striving Mm -hmm. is going to begin. So, um, we hope that this has helped you, uh, find a little magic and a little contentment.
1: <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: brown cows <laughs>